Hi, this is Lucy Weston, and welcome to Chick Flick Chat. You are about to listen to a show that I previously recorded on another platform, and there are many pointers to other websites, but as of now, you'll only find us uh, at the appropriate podcast locations and www.chickflickchat.com. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy. Okay. Oh, Cinderella. I went this past Saturday with my good friend, Michelle, and we just, we said, we're having a movie date. We're going to go see this movie. We went in the afternoon, the 4.30 showing. There were families there. There were people of all ages, other grown women like ourselves there. It was just, you know, a nice mix of people uh, to see this film. It wasn't all just little kids. And when I decided to do Cinderella as a chick flick chat, I kind of had an idea that I was going to do this, but I wasn't sure. And you never, I've learned from doing this, you never know what it's going to be until you see the movie. So don't pick the movie until you've seen it. I learned the hard way on one, and I won't say which one of the chick flick chats, that's what what happened uh, with it. But uh, in any case, we just, you know, we loved it for a lot of different reasons. And uh, I, it's, I think that, and I wrote this in the copy, that every woman needs to see this movie. If you're a busy woman in society or if, you know, no matter what it is you're doing, whether you're working outside the house, inside the house, if, if you like uh, just to be transported to a different time and place and who doesn't like that, it is just really a wonderful, wonderful hour and 40 minutes to, to spend on an afternoon. The cast is a really good cast, uh, and it's directed by Kenneth Branagh, and I think we all know him. Just really wonderful, wonderful directorial work here because he takes what we all know so well as a story, the original Cinderella, you know, the fairy tale, and he brings it to life in a way that it's true to its origin in many ways, but he made it so uh, compelling and modern and brought in a lot of underlying issues that are not and really can't be explored in the animated version. And also, you know, in 1955, I think it was when Disney did the animation, things, mores and socioeconomic positions and things, they were, you know, this transcends time, but they were a little bit different than they are now. And I'm so grateful for him for his uh, viewpoint on this and getting it across a really even-handed, mild way that is still wonderful for people of all ages, but it gives people like me and you who like to listen and talk about movies and reviews something to talk about uh, more than just, oh, this was great animation and, you know, the kids loved it kind of thing. Uh, you know, I in my Netflix uh, binge-watching show, I talked about Downton Abbey being a must-see, and the girl who plays Cinderella is the actress Lily James, and she plays Rose on Downton Abbey. If you're familiar with that, then you know who she is, and she does a beautiful, beautiful job with this role as Cinderella, which, you know, it could have been a little corny or campy, and she really pulls it off, and she's just she's just delightful in it and, and perfectly cast. It's almost like, you know, she was just born to play the role. Uh, Kate Blanchett, the what we know in you know general terms is the evil or the wicked stepmother, and 
her name is Lady Tremaine in the movie. Uh, you know, just amazing, amazing work. And I'm going to get to that. So the movie opens with birds tweeting and there's music and there's a voiceover and it tells a story about, you know, these parents are on a picnic and there's this baby girl, Ella, and you see it opens up to this dream house in just a bucolic field and flowers and there's a little animal yard and there's a barn and the 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 flowers are blooming and you just kind of get a a sense of just this is tranquility uh the dream house just a beautiful beautiful cottage kind of slash McMansion-y type of a setting and you just you're in it you're in it right from the opening um and i i before I get into that, I want to just share something. When I went to see Fifty Shades of Grey, which I did not read those books, and I thought, well, maybe that'll be a chick flick chat. It's not probably going to be. But when I was sitting there and they played the uh, promo for Cinderella that night, my friend Dion, I said, I turned to her and I said, I'm going to go see that. And she said, really? Like as if, you know, why would you want to see that? And the woman in front of me, completely unsolicited, some stranger turns around and goes, I'm going to see it too. And I said, I know, it just looks so fabulous. And it really, really was. And I think um, I, I just, okay. The dream house, the mother and Ella and the father, one big happy family. The mother says to her, you know, I, you, do you believe in, in or, or Ella says to the mother, do you believe in, in fairy tales? And the mother says, I believe in everything. And that sort of opens up the film to the whole underlying premise is, you know, believing not in everything externally, but also believing in yourself, which is what we see this Cinderella do throughout the film. And yes, it's a fairy tale life, which has a very short-lived life. It comes to a quick ending when the mother takes ill and is on her deathbed. And she says to, to, to Ella, uh, you know, Make make me a promise. Always remember, have courage and be kind. And that becomes a, a threshold for all of Cinderella's decisions. And I'm using Ella and Cinderella interchangeably because I, if, as you learn in the story, and I think you might have known, Ella is her birth name. But in terms of the movie as it goes on, she gets the name Cinderella from her evil stepsisters. Uh, it's you know so that's it sort of comes about. Uh, if you hear papers rattling while I'm doing this uh, chick for chat, you, I took ten pages of notes during the film, and believe me, when you're doing it in the dark, they're all over the place. So there's a lot more paper than there is notes, but I have to keep them in front of me. I apologize for that in advance. Uh, so so we have this wonderful quote that that comes up again and again. Have courage and be kind. And the mother goes on to say, you know, courage has power. And then the mother passes away and it's just just Ella and her dad. And then at some point after Ella is now a young woman, he turns and he says, you know, he wants to get remarried, that there's this widow and it's his last chance at happiness, which Kenneth Branagh in his direction you see both sides you see the male perspective of marriage and the female perspective of marriage which you don't see in the original animation and it's interesting that the father thinks that by getting married to this basically this strange woman he's going to have his last chance at happiness when indeed we we can see overall in the movie that he really was already happy living the life he had and by getting married that didn't add to his happiness 
um, which, you know, transcends today in many ways, as we all know. So the stepmother enters Blanchette. And as I was ooing it on earlier in the show, you know, she's just, she's always phenomenal. But in this movie, she doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue, but what she has is incredibly significant. And honestly, her her movements, her facial features, the way that she just, her eyes, she doesn't really need the dialogue. That's how good she is. Um uh, in the opening shot, if you haven't seen the movie, and if you have, you'll know what I'm talking about, she comes in and you see the dress before you see her face. You see the back of the dress. It's this black top, all one piece, but the bottom is this gorgeous like yellow and black lace uh, number, and she's got this huge hat on, and she comes up these stairs, and before you see her face, she she starts to turn. There's an angle, and she looks right into the camera, and we're introduced to her as the stepmother. And it's a classic movie moment, uh, a la the first shot of Vivian Lee in Gone with the Wind, where you just go, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. And the, the hat and the lighting and the eyes really really just spectacular moment on film and and a real ode to the old studio big you know studio production films uh and she looks around and there's already disdain or disgust in her look without even saying a word you meet the two sisters Anastasia and Drusilla these are going to be the stepsisters to Cinderella one of which is played, Drusilla is played by an actress named Sophie McShira, and she's also from Downton Abbey. She plays Daisy in Downton Abbey, and she's very sweet on that show. In this show, in, in Cinderella, not so sweet, but she does a great job. Uh, so we, we get introduced to the animals early on, and they are a through line also through the whole movie. As we know with Cinderella, she has a relationship, and she's got a way, you know, an intuitive way with the animals. And at one point, we see the mice, and she's relating to the mice, and she says, we ladies must help each one another. And that's her position. And then we find out that the stepmother and the two stepsisters bring with them a completely um, the the com- the complete opposite of that in terms of their jealousy and their attitude about you know who they are as women and men and and against Cinderella and we see almost immediately the jealousy that the stepmother has of the relationship between Cinderella and her father and that is uh, very telling and it it sort of breeds the discontent that the mother the stepmother has. Um, the father goes away on a business trip. He doesn't come back. And hence you have the transition of Ella into Cinderella because they they basically banish her to the attic and she needs to lay by the fire on nights that are very cold. And that's how she gets cinder on her face, the ash from the fireplace, the cinders. And they, they she wakes up one day and the sisters, you know, they come up with this name. And it's a, it's an interesting example of bullying uh, by Drusilla and Anastasia of what is now, you know, who is now known as Cinderella. So Cinderella is, she accepts the name. She's sort of going along to get along. She's accepting a lot of things. The movie throughout is a treat visually between just the lighting and the costumes and the sets. So every scene brings new things, but it's it's just really a treat for the eyes. Um while we're we're examining all of these beliefs about uh, relationships and women and marriage and it's it's to it's it's almost cloaked in its prettiness as to what's happening on in the subtext and which is beautifully done 
beautifully done because you know, it's it's all there for you, um, but not it's not obvious. And and I think that was really genius. Uh, so we're seeing you know these issues of of love and marriage and and family and money and identity and siblings and relationships. And you know, there's uh, the voiceover comes in every once in a while, and it and one of the things is about when she gets the name Cinderella, that names have power like magic spells, and we shortly thereafter meet the prince, and, she, and Cinderella meets him in the woods. She's riding horseback, and she comes upon the prince, and he doesn't tell her who he is. He does say his name, and his name is Kit K I T, and he's Prince Charming. Of course, we all know him as Prince Charming. And it's a strange name because he tells her he's an apprentice. And when you think about the word kit, uh, you know, kit, it's a work in progress. You're being put together. And he's not whole yet, but when he meets Cinderella, he's getting there. And so that I just thought that was interesting. And that's my own thing I'm making, you know, I'm, I'm sharing what my thoughts are with you. Uh, so when you see them in the woods, and they first have their meeting between Cinderella and the prince. There's interesting camera work here where they're circling each other on the horses. And it's a little bit like a hunting feeling, but the spinning and circling of each other also, it makes you feel kind of uh, nicely dizzy, so to speak. I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's not, it doesn't make you feel sick, but it makes you just feel like, oh, this is, you know, it's exciting. Something's coming. You're feeling the movement and the emotion. Uh, and it's all sort of kept moving, but you see what's happening. It's not slow motion. Uh, so, okay. I digress on that. All right. The palace. And I'm going to keep moving because, as you know, if you listen to my shows, I, it's hard for me to fill everything. Fill out. I, it's easy for me to fill the 30 minutes. It's hard for me to keep it within the 30 minutes, so I'm going to keep moving. Uh, you, when, she, when she's with him in the, the initial meeting, she they're they're hunting this stag and she does she she warns the stag to run away and she says you know you don't have to kill him to the prince and he says well that's how it's always done and she says but just because it's done doesn't mean it's what should be done and that is another uh transformational statement here because as we learn he was supposed to follow the royal hierarchy of marrying uh another royal person, in this case a princess that he's been uh, promised to, or she's been promised to him to expand the kingdoms. But just because it's done, it doesn't mean it's what should be done, and he has to follow his heart ultimately. I'm not giving, obviously, we all know the story. I'm not giving this away. Um, So he ends up using that. So he adopts that principle later on in the movie. And uh, they, they decide to have a royal ball, and he's looking for his wife, but he's already been promised, but he wants to see if he can get this woman that he met in the woods to the to the palace to try to meet her again because she never tells him her name and she rides off. So I have to say personally, when they made the announcement, I don't know why, but I I was so taken with this film that I got excited as if I was <laughs> I were gonna go to the ball. And I said to my friend Michelle, I only have two weeks like to get ready and but think about how exciting that is if you get invited to the palace and you have two weeks to get your dress and your hair. and It's just so much fun. It was fun. And, and no, I think no matter what age you are, you're going to find these moments throughout this movie. Um, so he's got to marry one of the, the one of these princesses, well, the, probably the one that they're pushing on him. And they, the 
because all the women, the commoners as well as the royalty, are coming to the to the palace for the dance, the stepmother gets the idea that one of her two daughters could possibly marry the prince, and she says something very significant. And again, it goes back to uh, your position in society and your socioeconomic status and being a woman in society. And she says, "We can if one of you marries the prince." We can unwind the debt when we came to this backwater. So she essentially, we're learning, she really only married the father, Cinderella's father, to be taken out of the debt. And we learn that from her in, the, in a little bit later in the movie when she kind of tells her story about being widowed the first time and now she's widowed again. So the sisters, in getting ready for the uh, movie, are fighting with each other and basically saying, you know, talking trash to each other. Oh, I'll push you out of the carriage, and I'll break your leg, and I'll do these different things. And they're really talking about hurting and maiming each other so that they can get to the prince. And and it, it shows the bad side of fighting over a man, which is not uh, so antiquated in terms of, you know, The Bachelor. If you watch The Bachelor, you see a lot of the same themes going on in present-day society. So... Um, you know, one of the sisters says, like, oh, the prince is rich beyond reason, but don't you want to get to know him first? And then Drusilla says, uh, don't, no, I don't think so. It's probably better I don't get to know him. And, you know, it's, so it's it's keeping, we're seeing that there there is a certain uh, type of woman and, and something that's taught, I think, about women keeping in uh, other women down or putting them down. And, and that's a, a sad sta- state. And, you know, we still do it. We do it all the time. We do it, and, and it's just – I won't get off on that right now. Okay. Uh, it's just a point I wanted to make and I'd like you to be aware of. So the fairy godmother shows up, and first she's in a form of a stone, and she transforms into this phenomenally beautiful – and it's, it's Helena, Helena Bonham Carter playing the fairy godmother. And she says uh, – she's thirsty, and Cinderella gives her a bowl of milk, and she says, what is a bowl of milk, really? But kindness makes it everything. And it's a wonderful quote because it's all about the intention, what's behind it. The lighting on the fairy godmother, if you have not seen the movie yet, when she is, it's a faraway shot and she's in the middle of the yard. It is, and speaking of yards, if you can hear in the background, the gardeners are here, and I'm sorry about that if you're hearing any of that. Um, So in in the yard, it's just this pinpoint light on her that just makes her glow like a diamond in this white shimmering dress amongst all the other darkness at night. And uh, it's the whole transformation from the pumpkin to the animals into the coachman or the footman and the driver is just the best CGI I think I've ever seen. And, you know, computer-generated images, really, really well done. And it adds to this whole – it gives a very present-day – opportunity of things to show that's not animated in the typical way that we know it, but keeping it as an old-fashioned movie, but yet keeping it so current because of the technology that's available to us these days. So she gets transformed Cinderella into her gown, and it is stunning, and there's butterflies on the ball gown, and she gets her literally glass slippers, and she has crystals scattered in her hair, and it's just lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, And the footmen, who are lizards, help her and she gets to the palace gates and she says I'm frightened and the lizard says I'm only a lizard not a footman enjoy it while it lasts and that brings me to the breathtaking moment that she has when she comes into the movie into the palace excuse me 
and she takes her moment at the top of the stairs and in so much so many times in life we don't do this as women we we just kind of rush through something or don't we she takes her moment and she enjoys it while it lasts and it's and that's a real decision that you make in life can you slow down and breathe through something and accept it for what it is in that moment because it's only going to happen once or maybe twice in your life but you want to be aware and focused and in the moment living in the moment and that was just really beautiful to see and well done um they have their meet on the dance floor and they have this fabulous dance and while they're dancing, the camera work once again is sort of spinning around them and making you feel it's dizzy with love. I, and it's people were crying. My friend Michelle started crying. There were other women crying, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. And they they end up walking like under the full moon. They leave the big party at the ball, and and then she has to run away. And what I love about this is she ends up inadvertently playing hard to get. He doesn't know her name, really. He doesn't know anything about her. He thinks she's a princess. And men like, and as we know, respond to mystery. And so she leaves him wanting more, which is always a lesson. Cinderella, there's a lot of lessons in this, but that's a great lesson for women. And he ends up chasing her down the steps and and eventually all over town. But an interesting thing is said by the head guard. He wants to run after her carriage, the prince. And the guard says, intrigue. They won't let him follow her. And he says, intrigue to lure you from the palace, you know, basically meaning it's the honey trap. So even in the movie, we see the old spy trade, a little a little ode to spy trade happening um, by Kenneth Branagh. So anyway, um, the chase scene is amazing. It's very exciting. Of course, you know what's going to happen, but you're totally into it. Uh, and, you know, uh, after she gets back and she's transposed back into Cinderella, as we know her, you know, the, the now peasant girl, the, we learn the story of the stepmother and it's we see more perspective on what is called in the film marrying for advantage. So the prince is told he has to marry for advantage to marrying somebody that's a, a princess so that they can bring the wealth and the might from that king, other kingdom. And yet women were doing this on a daily basis in any position that they were in in life. Uh, so the perspectives on love and kindness and, and marriage, and it's just all there. And uh, the, Cinderella says to the stepmother in the, at the end of the scene, why are you so cruel? And there's something about her that she's just hasn't, life hasn't gone her way. And in trying to keep other women down, what we learn is you don't rise yourself up. You know, it doesn't, that doesn't work. Uh, you don't do things like, you know, trade your daughters, barter your daughters to keep Cinderella's identity safe or secret and not safe, but secret, I meant to say. So, um, you know, we see Cinderella standing up to the, to the stepmother and the voiceover says the greatest risk is to be seen as we truly are. And she's okay, Cinderella, being who she really is. And in the end, you know, she gets the prince. We all know the slipper fits. And, but what I really love about this, and there's a point I need to make about this because I'm getting long on the show again, is it's, it's not so much about getting the man or in this case the prince but it's about being who you are and not pretending to be anything else and then the rest falls into place and because Cinderella does say to him you have to take me as I am I have no dowry I'm not a princess I'm just a poor peasant girl and and he loves her no matter what but that took courage and that's where the courage comes back and in all along it's the kindness that she's shown to everybody that ends up 
paying her back in a sense to get her to where she is. So it, it carries you through life. And I, there's so many, I mean, listen, this is like a morality play almost, but uh, it's really, really, really an old-fashioned style movie. And it captures the glamour and the conventional mores with, like I said, with the current technology. The acting is superb. Uh, you really, it's just, it's fantasy, it's a getaway, it's transportational it's all of those things, and it's worth seeing no matter what age you are. In fact, it, we spoke about it yesterday at Easter dinner, and it was everybody's like, "I got to see it! I got to see it!" It just and who has seen it said it was fabulous, uh, you know. And and I in looking at it, I thought well, the old overall theme for me I took away in, in this version was you don't need to be saved. It's about not. It's it's some some people think they need to be saved. You don't need to be saved. You can save yourself by being who you are and being enough. And and that's exactly what Cinderella does. Unlike in the original version we were all taught as kids and saw, you know, the prince comes and someday my prince will come and everything will be okay. And we know that that isn't always the case or hardly is ever true, if it's ever true at all. Um, and then in the end we hear the final quote, which is, you know, you have to see the world not as it is, but how it could be if only you believe in the magic of courage and kindness. And, you know, nobody does it like Disney. Whether you're at Disney World or the movies, the details in this film are just spectacular and just really, really, really worth seeing. Um, So that is my chick foot chat on Cinderella. And please email me if you like what I said or things you want to add. You know, there's always a way to get in touch with me through the blog. And that's a wrap. This is Lucy Weston. Thank you so much for listening to this updated podcast of Chick Flick Chat. And you can always find me at betterbrightereasier.com, home of Rumigator, the natural neutralizer. Chat with you next time. Bye for now.